Good morning, Antioch, Dallas. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, and also thank you to uh, all of you who are joining us and worshiping with us online. Uh, my name is Johnny Gonzalez. For those of you that I haven't had the privilege of meeting, and uh, I look forward to getting to meet you uh, this morning after service. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, I am going to try to sit this entire time. Uh, you know, for those of you that do know me, uh, that's a pretty big feat. So um, I'm doing I'm going to do my best. But this morning, uh, I want to say one thing before uh, we moved on and, and or move into the word. And that is that uh, I uh, was messaging back and forth with Pastor Zach. Uh, and I uh, wanted to send this message to you. He says, thank you for your prayers and your care. Uh, uh, th their family has been going through uh, just the sickness and, and coronavirus. And, and, and so all that to say, uh, he did say that they are slowly recovering as a family. And so my, our hope is, is that he gets to be here uh, next Sunday. Uh, but throughout this week, uh, let's just continue praying for them. Let's continue praying that they would recover well and get strong and continue to uh, strengthen themselves in the Lord and that the Lord would meet them in this time of need. Amen, church. Okay. All right. Second uh, Corinthians chapter one. Let's go there. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse three, or beginning in verse three. And it says this it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's a lot of comfort. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and in salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Verse 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might um, not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope and, uh, that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Lord, I just pray for our time together and I pray that it would be powerful and life changing that we would walk out completely different than the way that we walked in because we have encountered you and we have encountered your word that reads us. So read us, Holy Spirit, this morning in Jesus name. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, a little bit about 2 Corinthians real quick, and that is that uh, Paul is writing uh, to uh, the, the church in Corinth, and as he begins to write, if you read the entirety of 2 Corinthians, he basically is, uh, in, on, on one hand, he is heartbroken because he, uh, whenever he wrote 1 Corinthians, he received a message that the church in Corinth was actually hurt by the things that he said. They were cut to the heart. And rather than apologizing, one of the things that he said was, hey, it did grieve me, but at the end of the day, I know that the reason why you were cut to the heart is because the Holy Spirit is essentially working in you, and Jesus is the one who is causing you to recognize the sin that you have been living in. And so for that, I don't apologize, but what I do uh, is pray for you and continually am encouraged by your response towards us, even in the midst of a difficult message. And so then he goes into uh, these few, or he starts these verses uh, that we're going to get into this morning. And if I were to put a title to the message today, is the title is this, We Despaired of Life Itself. And I don't know about you, but I think all of us in here um, have at some point within the last 18 months maybe felt this way. And if you didn't say it, maybe you, are, you have felt it or you're feeling it even more today than ever before. Because Paul says, we despaired of life itself. And so you may be wondering, Johnny, you look really awkward by having this uh, blanket over you. But if you remember two weeks ago, one of the things that uh, I brought up was just this idea as we were talking about Bartimaeus was this idea of the comfort cloak or the cloak of comfort. And I want you to know that for me, uh, even though that was something that the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me, it was something that it intensified. Uh, uh, the following week came and even the week after that because I didn't realize how much of a cloak of comfort I had. And so uh, that, that is one of the things that as you begin to teach the word of God, sometimes as you're teaching it, the word of God starts reading you in that moment. And I wanted to be faithful to respond to it. So as it was reading me, I made, a, I made this comment and the comment was this. The comment was, and it was even posted on social media, and I, I, was, I was even gripped to the heart whenever I heard it there, but the comment that I made was this, comfort and intercession don't mix. And when I made that comment, I, I, I don't take it back. I don't apologize for it. However, I did realize that the week after and the week after that, so the last two weeks, I needed to... I, that I needed to clarify on what I meant by comfort. Because even though I did say that God did not call us to a life of ease, what I, 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 I feel pressed to clarify is what exactly does God mean by comfort in the Bible? Because if there's one thing that we just read is that he is the father of of compassion and the God of all comfort. Right. And so the way that I want to do that today is plain and simple. I almost, I almost titled the message this, but uh, I, I just, uh, here's, here's my outline. You ready? Everybody say one, two, three. Okay. Here it is. I'm going to give you one overarching truth. I'm going to give you two implications and I'm going to give you three applications. Ready? 
One overarching truth, two implications, and three applications. <laughs> Thank you. So first, overarching truth. I want to start by uh, verse three, where Paul says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So the first overarching truth or one overarching truth that is going to frame everything that we say is this, is that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Overarching truth. Now, there are two types of comfort. The first type of comfort uh, I'm going to define as a life of ease uh, from physical pain or constraint. This is synonymous with words like luxury and relaxation. Now, the reason why I still have this on is because I want you, I want us to remember that when I said comfort and intercession don't mix is because um, what I was talking about was a cloak that blind Bartimaeus had that kept him from stepping into and, and, and following Jesus along the road, if you remember that. He was sitting by the road, shrouded in a and a cloak of comfort and his blindness and his circumstances made him sit there and trust more in this cloak and in the comfort that he was living. Maybe what he thought was a, was a life of ease, free from physical pain or comfort. And this thing was the thing that was keeping him from walking and, 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 and getting out of that situation, if you will. But the biblical definition of comfort is this. You ready? It's one word. It's encouragement, whether by words or the presence of another to help in time of need. Synonymous words are to console, to help, to grieve, to cheer up, to exhort and fear not. So when the Bible begins to talk about comfort, it is not talking about a life of ease as much as it is referring to the fact that if God is the God of all comfort, you can replace the word comfort for the word encouragement. So when it says that God is the God of all comfort, it's God is the God of all encouragement that when you are walking through a difficult circumstance, he is going to come by and he's going to console. He's going to help. He's going to give relief. He's going to cheer up. He's going to exhort and he's going to tell you to fear not for I am with you. And what does that allow us to do? It allows us to remove the cloak of comfort like blind Bartimaeus and get to Jesus because we no longer trust in a life of ease because that is not what's being promised to us. But what is being promised to us is that God is a God of encouragement and that he will bring you comfort. As a matter of fact, when the Bible says that he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, that means that the father is compassionate and he is the author of comfort. 
And then we see in verse 5 that Jesus then, the, uh, we, we see really the triune God at work. So Father being the author of comfort, Jesus is the advocate or intercessor and comforter in that he has gone before us. So verse 5, it says, we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Meaning, Christ suffered before us, Therefore, we are also comforted by Christ because Christ works with the Father to comfort us. Because he's been there already. And then we're going to jump down to verse 22 because verse 22 talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then in verse 22 says this, uh, that the Father or God put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Meaning this, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will be comforted. We know by other passages of scripture that he is called the wonderful counselor or the counselor, the one who leads us, who guides us, who convicts us, who is alongside us, that Jesus himself said, if I do not leave, I will not be able to send the Holy Spirit to you, but I leave so that greater things than these you will be able to do through him. And the Holy Spirit now is present with us in this time and in this moment to bring us comfort. And so we see that the Spirit leads us to Jesus, who has suffered, and now we are comforted because when we suffer, we can look to Jesus, who has overcome all things, and we, our life is found in him, therefore we are comforted. And Jesus leads us to the Father, who is the author of all comfort, of all encouragement. So the overarching truth being that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort is that it doesn't matter. The reason why I like this chair, it doesn't matter where we turn or where we look. We got comfort and encouragement all around us. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get excited. I don't know if this chair is going to last. Here we go. You follow me? You tracking? All right. So two implications. You ready? Thank you, Zane. Zane is with me. Two implications. The first one is that we will experience hardship. Verses five and six. For Paul says, for just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. How much did they share in suffering? Abundantly. If we are distressed, so they felt distressed, it is for your comfort or for salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And then verses 8 and 9, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. How much pressure? Great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. So 
What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that their grief or their hardship was so significant that they had felt that they were being led to death. They were despairing of life itself. And when hardship comes, you know what we do as people is that we grieve and mourn. Now, let me stop there. And I want to lean in a little bit. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained in that. But what I am trained in is in the Bible. And one of the things that the Bible would consistently say to us is that we will grieve and that we will mourn. If you look throughout the history of Scripture, you begin to see that, that various different people mourned for various things, whether it was the loss of a loved one or whether it was because the temple was destroyed or when they started rebuilding, the, the, the old temple didn't look as great as the new one. And so they mourned and they grieved and, and, they, and Jesus mourned and grieved whenever he lost his friend. And, and, and we see a lot of mourning and grieving in the Bible. And it usually came as a result of hardship. And church, as we were talking with the overseers this week, uh, uh, as we were, as we were kind of leaning in and saying, what is the word that the Lord would have for us in this time and in this season? It was, it was this. And, and this kind of question uh, didn't come up in the meeting, but it came up and it was a question that I have been wrestling with. And it was this, and I want to submit it to you. And that is this. Have you allowed yourself to grieve? Because as I'm leaning in and as we're having these conversations, we grief, we recognize that grief usually arrives and grief and mourning arrives when we have lost something or someone. And can I just pause here and say this? I don't know about you, but I hate coronavirus. Thank you. <laughs> There's nothing about it that I love. Because every day seems like there's, there's something new that I have to deal with and that I have to cope with. Every day there seems to be some sort of loss that happens. Every day there's, there's all these questions circling in my mind about the what ifs, about what is going on and, and is this person right and should I trust this or should I trust that? But at the end of the day, here's what I do know and here's the truth that we can be uh, in many ways uh, reminded of and that is this, normal is gone. And you know what? I mourn and I grieve that. I mourn it and I grieve it because if there's one thing that I want to be able to do is to be able to be united with you more under the banner of Christ than under whether or not vaccines or, or, or masks or, or even everything that this time has produced. I, I, I want to go back to those conversations. But at the end of the day, when we recognize that normal is gone, we have to mourn and we have to grieve. 
Mourning in the Bible was expressed through weeping. It was expressed by loud lamentation or crying. It was expressed by the disfigurement of a person where they would, uh, they, they would tear their clothes or they would wear sackcloth. They would sprinkle dust or throw ashes on them and they would shave their head. They would pluck their hair out of their head or their beard. They would, um, they would n- find neglect of themselves by removing jewelry and maybe not even putting on makeup. They were fasting. Uh, Something interesting is that sometimes they would even cover their upper lip because they they didn't know in many ways what to say or do in that moment. They would sometimes cut their flesh or, or, or they would sit in silence. But here's the implication is that we will experience hardship. But there is a promise. And the promise was Jesus himself in Matthew 5, uh, chapter 5 and verse 4. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, and we say this every single week in our gathering church whenever we're leaving, and it's so that we can remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done in us, and that is this, that he has says he will comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in, in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so we have a promise that when we are following Jesus along the road, it, it's not that we're sitting idly by, but when we are grieving and we're mourning and we're living our life, he promises that he is going to be with us and he is going to comfort us that when we mourn, we will be comforted. In other words, Isaiah 61 says he will make us beautiful. And so how do we live in response to that implication? Number two is that we must live unto resurrection. And this is the invitation that Jesus has for us, that God has for us. Now, this is a hard truth. And let me tell you why. Because in verses eight and 10, this is what Paul says. He says, we were under great pressure. We we were far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And so what we do know about this time that we're living in is that death is running rampant. You see, death is the end of earthly life. And for those of you that have lost a loved one, you recognize that death is very sorrowful. It hurts. Scripture actually calls it a sting. Yet we are comforted first and foremost because God uh, will comfort those uh, who are left because our life does not end in death, but it ends, i.e. starts with resurrection. Now, let me say this. 
Part of a conversation that Lauren and I were having this week, and this was a, 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 pretty, a, a pretty intense conversation, I would say, that we were having, was this. this. These are the kinds of conversations my wife and I have sometimes. Is that we believe that God has called our family into pursuing after the purposes of God on this earth. And we believe that the way that we ought to do that is by, is by uh, uh, pointing people continually to Jesus. And sometimes, let me tell you, that's not going to be safe. As a matter of fact, we may experience this pressure the way that Paul says, where we despaired of life itself and we, may, uh, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And one of the things that, I, look at, that I, I looked at my wife in the eyes and with all sincerity in my heart, I said, listen, I believe that when I die, Jesus will resurrect me. Whether it's in this life on earth or whether it's resurrected in him to live with him in glory. But here's what I do know. You're, you might be hurt and mournful and you will grieve that and so were our children. But here is my confidence. My confidence is this, that God will comfort you. It's hard. But at the end of the day, I must trust that when the scripture calls us to live unto resurrection, it, he, the, it, the scripture is true whenever it says that he, Jesus, when he comes, we will meet him in the air. That the scripture is true that says that when we are absent in the body, we are present with the Lord. That for those of you that have given your life to Jesus, death is no longer something that we should fear, but instead it's like Paul would say, it's something that in many ways we don't even know what we should do, if we should die or if we should stay, because to stay is for your gain, but if I go, it is, it, it is gain to me, he says. And so, uh, man, when I was 20 years old, I thought... I don't understand that. Lord, let me get married before you come. I want to have children before you come. There's a lot I got to do. And I never understood that those who were older than me, whenever they would say, I'm just looking forward to heaven, Johnny. I never understood it. And listen, to some degree, I still don't understand it. But at 36 years old, I'm saying sometimes I wake up in the morning and a, and a, and a, and a pastor uh, that, that, that uh, I listened to a lot and was friends with. He, he said that every morning I would wake up and say, dang it, I'm still here. <laughs> but at the end of the day, death on this earth is not final. And so we must live unto resurrection, not unto death. We live unto resurrection. He will revive us. So how do we live that out? I've got three applications. First, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. 
You see, in verse 4, he says, God who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And I believe that the last 18 months have served for one purpose, one, for a purpose. And one of those purposes that I believe that it has served is to help recalibrate us. As much as I hate it, it has served to recalibrate us. In what way? Prior to pandemic hitting, I believe that we have lost sight of what was important. But in this time, God has comforted us so that we can enter into others' pain and comfort them in the way that God has comforted us. I get teary-eyed. I got teary-eyed this morning whenever I saw one of our staff members, Jeremy, walk into the door. And the reason why I got teary-eyed is because over the last two weeks, I've been praying for him and for his family because they had been going through sickness. I got teary-eyed when I saw Marshall and Lacey walk in this morning because I've been contending with the Lord of saying, Lord, heal, restore and I can't tell you how many times the Lord in these last two weeks just came and comforted me. But because in, in, in this past week, as I was wrestling with God about what I was going to speak, I, I just vividly remember that that one morning I climbed into Papa's lap and I said, God, I'm afraid. And church, I was speaking with Pastor Joe, who's over our life groups, and, and there was an acknowledgement that we made that many of you in here are weary and you're tired. And this is not a judgment, it's just the reality is that many life groups are dissolving because we're tired. Because we've been serving faithfully day in and day out week in and week out, pressing into one another. And I'm just going to go ahead and say here, there is a pressing need for life group leaders to, to rise up and to want to step into leading a group of people and, be, and comfort one another in this way. And community, I believe, we believe, is important for, the, for your growth and your relationship with God. It is there where, um, if, if you read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 7, says this. For when we came to Macedonia, Paul is saying, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us, not just because his spirit showed up, but by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, about your deep sorrow for me, about your ardent concern for me. And this is what Paul says, so that my joy was greater than ever. And so church, God comforts us so that we can comfort others because we are comforted by God through others. So this is why we don't neglect gathering with one another. And I'm not just talking about church, although that's a vital part, the weekly gathering of worshiping together with one another, but it's also gathering with one another over coffee, over meals, 
in your homes, wherever it is that you're gathering, we make room for one another. Why? Because we make room to be able to mourn, to be able to grieve, to be able to rejoice, to be able to celebrate, to be able to live this life that God has called us to. And I'll tell you that one of my greatest joys as a pastor is to be able to sit across the table from you and get to hear your story of triumphs and defeats. And, and, and I, I think I speak for the other staff members that are here. Maybe I speak for you that the greatest joy is to listen to the stories of love and hate, of sorrow and joy, of uncertainty and confidence, and be able to see that God is in all of it. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. Two, application number two is set your hope in God. Verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. And on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So where do we place our hope? Where do we place our hope? In God. I don't mean to be uh, elementary here or maybe immature, but the reason why I can't place my hope on, uh, on, on my spouse as an example, she is the most consistent person that I've ever met in my life, but sometimes she's not. I can be consistent. And the reason why she can't place her full hope in me is because I can be inconsistent. The reason why I can't place my hope on money is because one day it's there and the next day it's not. The reason why I can't really place my hope on something like, uh, uh, gosh, a vaccine is because one day it works and on some it doesn't. And so I need to be able to place my hope on something that is consistent, that is everlasting, that is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so my hope is placed on God. One day it works. The next day it doesn't. One day it's there. The other, another time it's not. That's, but God is going to be consistent. He is the author of all comfort. And so I place my hope in him. And then the third implication is this, is do not give up. Verse six, if we are distressed, this is what Paul is saying. It is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Watch this, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. I feel like we needed to hear this today. And it is this, church. Don't quit. Don't exit out. Don't say this life following Jesus is too difficult. It's too hard. I need to. Uh, I, sometimes it is easier trying to go with the cultural crowd. But at the end of the day, what I am here to tell you is don't quit. Personally, I refuse to live a life of, of ease and, 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 and so that I can persevere. Because what does trouble, what does hardship produce in us? Endurance. It produces patience. It produces perseverance to the point where Jesus would say to the churches in Revelation, to him who endures to the end, 
I will. And so everyone in here, we uh, want to encourage you, this is not a time to quit, church. If, if, we're, if this is going to be our finest hour, what we need to recognize is that we are in the finest hour of the church in that as we're experiencing hardship, we have the message, we have the answer. And that we have the author of comfort, of encouragement. This is why Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us therefore uh, run the race since we are surrounded with, by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race. Because when you look at chapter 11, what if this cloud of witnesses, it's actually talking about all of those that have gone before us. And I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be part of that crowd today. To be able to stand here in front of you and leave this chair behind and just say, you can do it. Mm. Come on, church. You can do it. Don't quit. Because we got the father of all comfort on our side. And he is comforting us. And he is leading us. And others are cheering you on. Others are, and, not, and this is not pressure. This is just the reality. We need each other. That God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And so we need each other to say, come on, you can do it. To be that coach, to be that person. So here's what I want to do this morning is first, if you're in here and you're saying, man, this is the first time I've ever heard of a God who comforts rather than punishes or rather than comes and beats me upside the head whenever I'm not doing what is pleasing to him or to that God, I want you to know that Jesus has already gone before you to suffer. And because he suffered, you are able to endure in the midst of hardship because now, because he's gone before us, he's able to comfort us. And what, do you, what does he say? Scripture would say that all we would need to do is believe that he has gone before us. So if you're in here today and you're saying, I have not given my life to Jesus and I would love to do it, know that there's so much hope on the other side of that decision. And we're going to have men and women, uh, staff, overseers, and prayer and prophetic team. Just let's get ready uh, for you to come up here. But uh, I'm, we're going to have men and women that are willing and ready to serve you in this way, to help pray with you. And second, if you're in here and you're saying, I, I need somebody to pray with me because I'm ready to give up. I need the comfort of God. Be comforted by the others that are up here. Don't walk out of here. Even, even if you have to wait and linger for a little bit because there's not many people up here or maybe all of them are taken up, take some time this morning because I do believe that this is one of those moments that with the way that things are changing in this world, we need one another to comfort each other and to encourage one another to keep moving forward. So why don't we stand 
right there where we're at. And the worship team is going to lead us in this song. So prayer uh, and prophetic team, staff, overseers, if you're here, Church, one of the things that the reason why we call this team the prayer and prophetic team is because we do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the things that we believe is, is that God is able to speak through us to be able to provide a, a, a specific word for you in this moment. So you don't, So if they start speaking a specific word that they feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to speak to you, don't get weirded out by that. But just know that that is our attempt to continually be faithful to what the Lord is speaking to us and wants us to minister to you with. And so as the worship team leads us, let's respond in that. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, just come up to one of these men and women and say, I want to give my life to Jesus and they'll know what to do. Okay? All right. So Lord, I pray for Antioch Dallas. I pray that you would be with us, that you would counsel us, that you would restore us, that you would comfort us. So Lord, I pray for this moment you would be with us. In Jesus' name. If you're, if you're a parent in here, I would want to uh, please encourage you, for one of you, uh, if you have children that are checked in, if you can go just go get one of your children and uh, get your children and bring them back in here. If you want to be ministered to, if you want to end the service with us. But I do want to encourage, I want to be respectful of their time as well. So if you could, just if you have a child in, in uh, kids ministry, have one of your spouse, one of you, just go get them and then come back in here. But can we just do that this morning and honor them? But also, let's press into the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.